Welcome to Snape Chat, Voice of the Snapedom, dedicated to spreading Snape love the world over. Thanks for joining us. For this episode, we will be discussing the Snape-Hermione pairing, variously known as Snemione, Sevmione, Snager, Snanger, Grape, etc. We'll be discussing them with our special guest, author C.R. Gal, along with our regulars when we die just a little and Megs. After that is an interview with C.R. Gal. Enjoy the show. Hello, this is Snape Centric, and I'm with CR Media Gal, our special guest. Hello. And Megs. Hello. And Will We Die Just a Little? Hi. Today we're going to discuss the Snape Hermione pairing. It can be called so many things Snomione, Sevmione, Snager, Grape. You can go on. <laughs> grape? Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> It can be sweet. It can be sour. <laughs> it can be spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's get started with the why this pairing is interesting to those of us who enjoy reading them. It's a loaded question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll start. For me, it's really the intelligence factor. I think Hermione in particular would need somebody who's at least on par with her intelligence level. And I don't see a lot of the characters in her age group as meeting those requirements for her. Not that Ron's a bad guy or anything. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, he's not... <laughs> the brightest in the bunch. They just have zero chemistry. <laughs> yeah, they really don't. And I mean, he kind of makes, pokes fun a lot at her intelligence and how academically driven she is. And But I've always loved, found that really romantic about them that, you know, they're both on the same wavelength. But I also know for a lot of people, the age gap is a big, big draw. But for me, it's definitely their minds. So that would be number one. And they can spar. I feel like nobody else can, you know, you pair her with anybody else. I, I just don't think she, anybody else matches. Absolutely. Matches the spar as well as Severus does so <laughs> yeah I don't know you can just see them in in some real Barneys just <laughs> yeah going at it Sierra Media Gal you've written some of your fics have wonderful arguments in them we talk a little bit about that <laughs> in, uh, in our interview which will come after this segment yeah, it's, it's too much fun. It's it's kind of intimidating, though, I feel sometimes as a writer, because I don't think I'm nearly as smart as either one of them. So when you're trying to write like their arguments sometimes, especially if it's anything having to do with like magical studies, it's like, oh, my God, like I need I need to sound just as smart as them. <laughs> that can be tough to write. <laughs> I, I struggle with that with just Snape alone. I can't imagine writing, I'm a snary shipper. So it's like, okay, oblivious, dopey, hairy, and then super smart Snape. I can handle that. But as far as two completely intelligent people with two completely different founding arguments that could be, I mean, oh my gosh, like power to you and everyone who does that, because even just talking about it is making me sweat. I can't even <laughs> imagine. It is. I feel, I feel like, you know, that's not something that people, writers in particular, talk enough about I I find it very intimidating even now and I've been writing them they're my main pairing for years and I'm still like I'll sit down to write a scene between them and even if it's just an intellectual discussion sometimes not even an argument I'm like oh my god do I just sound like the biggest idiot right now <laughs> I'm just like winging this I don't, I'm, I'm not on par with them so <laughs> do anything with confidence and yeah, right. <laughs> 
That's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm no writer, but I love the intellectual discussions and, you know, tennis matches, basically, or volume matches where you can just see them going back and forth and challenging each other. It's absolutely one of the big selling points of the ship. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I kind of see them both as outsiders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Snape, obviously, well, being a victim of bullying kind of points out your otherness that somebody sees in it to just pick at you or, yeah, victimize you. Yeah, and you can kind of, and you can compare the two kind of as like, yes, they are outsiders. She was a muggle-born and came into this knowing nothing, but obviously in her experience, she obviously grew up in like a loving home. So even though she's like, yeah, I'm weird, I don't care what you think, like she has all this confidence that doesn't matter, whereas Snape has a little bit more like, he wants people to see him. He wants to provide and be seen versus like being unapologetically someone like Hermione is. Like she's like, I don't know anything to anyone, where Snape is just trying Trying to fit in best he can. Also, when the boys are upset with her, she ends up being so isolated. Yeah, it's yeah, it's them against her. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it in the first book, it's really kind of haphazard that she ends up befriending them because of the whole troll incident. You can't half wonder like, okay, well, if that hadn't really brought them together, would they all be friends? I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of by accident that she ends up kind of becoming friends with, with the popular crowd per se, because Harry is rather popular throughout the books. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic between them. So yeah, and once they fight, Harry still has Ron, and Ron still has Harry as their best friend. But once Hermione fights with them both, she kind of lacks other really close friends. I mean, later on, we know she's friendly with Ginny and so on, but that's not until later, so... And it's still like by association of like, you know, Ginny started off obsessed with Harry. She was Ron's sister. Like they did the DA together. So like all the other girls in their year are seen as silly. Like they're just like, oh, there's Lavender and she's the silly, you know, they're the silly girls. And if she didn't lump in with, I mean, I guess I could see her being really good friends with Neville, but I don't know if on one hand she would be patient with Neville or if she would like see him as an opportunity to like, I don't know, like also a method to stroke her ego in a way of like oh Neville like you (laughs) or you let me help you oh Neville (laughs) let me teach you a thing or two (laughs) I could also see her storming into the headmaster's office and being like why am I not in Ravenclaw yeah (laughs) I'm with all these big bullheaded stupid Gryffindors Which would be a very Gryffindor thing of her to do. Exactly. But she wouldn't (laughs) see that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing in the books that got me is, oh, that wonderful Spinner's End chapter. You know, oh, how I feel about that. Sexy Severus. Anyway, when I see all those books in his house, it's like, okay, you know, Hermione loves being surrounded by books as well. So that's just um, perfect match. Yeah. It's a big thing they have in common and I, something they both place a lot of value on. And I can't see Hermione discussing the current book she's reading with Ron or Harry. No, they just, they would just tone that out. Yeah. I could see her walking into Snape's office either for like, maybe she had detention or maybe she had a begrudgingly had a question or whatever. And he had maybe like a pile of books on his desk and she noticed one of them and like, just made some offhand comment about it. And I could just see him being like, what? Like you've read this. And then it just kind of sparks something. And then he catches himself like, no, no. Why are you, why are you talking to her? What are you you doing, Severus? (laughs) 
Well, I think their intelligence too is so different in a way. I guess that ties in kind of with their skill sets too. I feel like Hermione is very academically driven in the sense that like she follows the book to a T. Whereas you can tell from what we learn later on about Severus that, you know, he was creating spells when he was young. It might've been nasty spells, but he was being a lot more intuitive and creative. So I don't know. I think that would also, I love how they pair off intelligently because they bring something different to the table, both of them, you know? And it's a different example of potential conflict because you could see them working on something together. And then she's like following the book and he's like, no, do this. And she's like, what the book says this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. And she's, they just like, can't like work on things together. Like they know that of each other. Like, yeah. Just, oh yeah. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> it always reminds me of Snape's copy of um, advanced potions making um, that he had in school because he wrote in that book a lot and in a very dismissive tone of, of the one who actually wrote the book and I could never see Hermione do something like that and once they maybe work together a little bit more I think it would be something she would be very peeved about when he just starts scribbling ideas into the margins she's like no the book is sacred and that what kind of ties into I had thought of a fic that I even have asked around and I've heard nothing from anybody so it needs to happen but if Hermione was the one to have found his copy of the potions textbook instead of Harry and like a story kind of around that like her finding that be that maybe Harry needed one and she's like here take mine I'll grab this for now and you can get one whenever or for whatever reason she gets it and then she does see all these things and it probably I could see her in the beginning like scoffing ignoring everything and then all of a sudden one time she's like you know what I am gonna try it and does and it turns out amazing and then she just like it just spirals from there and then maybe she be- starts doing the same thing with other other ones. So it's not only her, his scrawls, but her scrawls are in there too. And it's just covered with all of their things. And then maybe he comes across it and then he sees their stuff mixed together. And it's just like, I don't know, that just feels super epic to me <laughs> just like seeing like the symbolism of like their like minds and thoughts and and trials all over that thing I just think is really sweet to think about. Maybe that needs to be your next plot bunny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, it is. I think I dropped it in one of <laughs> one of the Sumaini servers. So I was like, okay, I could drop like ideas here. Someone please write me Someone this. Write this. <laughs> I need it so badly. Yeah, going back to how we don't love always writing <laughs> the intelligence factor. Give that to somebody else. You can tackle that. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. I know my I'll strengths, sit here and, read. and that is not one of them. <laughs> There is one fic. It starts with Love and Red Ink, I think was the initial one by Zygadinus. Basically, State writes some question or a reference in on Hermione's essay. So they end up having this dialogue. And then, you know, then he dies and she does research based on all this that they discussed for a couple of years while, you know, while she was in school. And yeah, it's so neat. And she gets a postcard that says, I read your latest essay with great interest in Ooh. spiky writing. Ah, (laughs) and then there's a fic that develops from there that's yeah very well written oh sounds great yeah if anybody has any ideas for fix while we do this just i mean ones that are written as well as yeah ideas for fix um that um we can link to specific ones on on our website i always have ideas (laughs) and no time (laughs) yes (laughs) 
You know, one thing that I read was that this pairing has more mature writers and readers, but because someone who's older is, for one thing, maybe more likely to be pro-Snape. I can believe that, that there's more mature, mature writing and mature readers for the pairing. Definitely. Especially, yeah, especially for the intelligence aspect. Like I can't, I mean, not that obviously younger generations aren't smart, but it's like, we're, we're very methodical and we think things more thoroughly versus just, I feel like this type of pairing would need more in depth to drive it forward. And yeah, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I think especially when you're writing Snape, there has to be that element of experience that only, you know, older, mature writers can can bring to the table. Unfortunately, you can tell if you start reading a fic where, you know, like, oh, Snape would never say that. That sounds like, that sounds like something a Gen Z would say. <laughs> or, or he's using lingo that is used to it. You're like, oh gosh, okay. Yeah, no, that's not, that doesn't sound like him at all. So yeah, there, I, I think there absolutely has to be a certain mature aspect. And I'd say, yeah, most, uh, at least some of the writers that I know and with this pairing, most of us are in our 30s, so, or if not older. It's actually one of my biggest pet peeves. When you open up a fic that sounds really good, but suddenly the mostly older character that has grown up in a very different environment as of today suddenly starts talking like he's grown up with TikTok or something. Nope, doesn't matter how good the plot is. I cannot read it. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think just jumping off of that to the Americanism sometimes. Sometimes that can be a pet peeve too. Like I, I understand, like I'm not British, so I, don't, I I just try to be as authentic as I can to like the spelling and how they might phrase things. But when Snape is really Americanized and the way he speaks very Americanized, it's that's another thing that makes me um, crawl backward out of a fic. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there aren't at least 27 backhanded comments that just like slide out of that man's mouth, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please insult us. <laughs> yeah, like he'll say he'll say something, and you're just like, oh, and it takes you a few seconds. You're just like, wait, whoa, that was a dig. Like he's just like so effortless. Oh, I love it. But yeah, I think in general, like you said, with the mature audience in pro Snape, I mean, the older you get, obviously, the more open your mind gets. So you get away from like, yeah, I'm just gonna hate a character that's not real because, and really passionately, I just don't know how a grown adult would be so I mean that obviously there are but it's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around like some grown person being still so passionate against something versus like you don't have to like him but you can understand the character you can understand his experiences like it's just but I think it's what makes his character really compelling for a lot of our readers and writers who do like Snape is because of the complexities and layers that he brings like there's not a lot of characters like him like he's he's the only one that experience all those things so many things throughout the whole series and there's just yeah there's yeah it's pretty he's great he's the man (laughs) (laughs) oh now i need a she's the man movie Oh. <laughs> or like or she's that what yes. is it he's the man or no no what is it he's the man she's so that is the girl is the one right and so then like he's so that but it's like Snape in school awkward and maybe like Hermione comes back and it's I don't know it works somehow go with it I don't care how you do it a she's all that Snape version <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of segued into fic. How about the timing? And I think this is referring to the age difference, really. You know, I guess a lot of people squick out at, at her being a student at the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, eh, I get a little bit uneasy myself. Yeah, everybody's different. For me, it's kind of the way that I, I guess, like rationalize it, like, especially for me, like reading Snary for the most part, like most of like the pivotal, like beginning of their relationship is after he sees Snape's memories. So it's like, oh, he's turning 16. Like, obviously it doesn't mean something happens at that time, but I picture and read characters much older than they are. Like, it's one thing if we were like watching such a thing, but reading it, it feels a bit different. Like, it feels like there's a distance between it and I guess I just like I read them and and it feels more mature plus it's just I mean it's just it's fiction and it's in itself but exactly so obviously there's plenty of content if you're just like you know like maybe they have their tiffs and conflict in school and then he lives and then they come back together later and that's when things happen so but also to me it's like eh, age is a number it stays the same you know the distance stays the same if she's of age or not I mean not that it makes it okay but it's yeah, I don't know. I guess it just it depends on what you like because obviously there's the people who are like, oh yeah, teacher and student. Like they're just, uh-huh. they're just well. that's what I'm here for. And then versus like, oh, they're both professors at some school somewhere and come in contact again. And yeah, there's just, there's everything out there. Yeah, I think uh, for me as a writer, I've only ever written one story that started when she was a student. But for me personally too, it kind of squeaks me out. So I always just sort of envision the beginning again of their relationship. I, I set it up that way in that fic that they were friends first in yeah. school and mm-hmm. in the later half when she was at least 17. And mm-hmm. then it wasn't until mm-hmm. she was out of Hogwarts that any sort of hanky panky starts happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And you have to figure too that anybody, a lot of aunties are younger. And if they come after um, any writers of this pairing, it's usually like, oh, you know, you you fantasize about the teacher student relationship. It's like, well, that's not, tr- for most of us, that's not true because for one thing in the UK, which squeaks me out to even say it, but like, the legal age is 16. It's not 18 like it is here in America. So a lot of times they say like, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're into, it's like pedophilia or whatever. It's like, I don't even, they don't even get together until she's at least 18. Like in in most of the fix I read too, it's not, there's nothing going on when she's younger. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Again, it, it does come down to personal taste, but I think most of us are very aware of that when we're writing and reading it. So it's, there's definitely a misconception there from people who aren't into the pairing and don't really understand it. They think she's a lot younger than she she is. Yeah, it's, it isn't correct to call it pedophilia because that's implying someone much younger, as you say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like they envision Emma Watson when she's an 11 year old in the first film and Alan Rickman. And it's like, that's not, I think I can speak for majority when I say that that's not what we envision at all. Exactly. And she has a September birthday. So she's like her final year, she's 17 for a month and then she's 18. So it's like in the, then the same prior, like she's of age, most of sixth year. So that's another thing people don't think about either in regards to the wizarding world. So I'm one of those people. I like the teacher student. I just think it's fun. I don't have to defend it. I like it. You don't have to defend it. No, 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 no. But yeah, it's like that's people don't think same thing when people complain about even Crumb and Hermione. Hermione was 15. He was 18. That's three years. That's that's nothing. Like, what are you like? That is nothing. So people, people are going to poop on what they want to poop on, I guess. But ultimately, dude, if you don't like it, there's there's millions of fic out there that do have exactly what you want. So why are you wasting time picking apart mine? Like, what's 
what what is well they're not reading it either you know they're not even bothering to give it a chance they just want to like you know throw it under the rug without knowing anything about it exactly they're just like oh i read those tags click comment get to the bottom blah, 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 blah. like okay yeah you're this and you're that okay. yeah right. yep 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 Although I wonder, actually, because I'm not a Snemione shipper and being a Snary shipper, I wonder if there's more hate on Snemione than Snary because she's a girl. I think that I think that's the only differentiation. I really do. Because I could see them more people empathizing with a female, quote unquote, victim, you know, versus like a, a male or whatever, which isn't fair. But I feel like I have seen more of that because people come to Hermione's defense as like a weak female character when it's like, one, she is not. She is super not. Like, what? What? You don't know Hermione. Like, I don't know what your deal is. Or that, you know, that he's preying on her. And it's like, that's not even in Snape's canical, you know, DNA. DNA to be that way. I mean, any good writer is not going to have him preying on her when she's 14, 15 years old. That's not even, that's not even who Snape is. But yeah, I think you're right. That's like the only differentiation. I think it's because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such things do have a right to exist. I just really believe in free speech. And mm -hmm. absolutely, especially when you're talking about AO3, that's what they're all about. So trying to censor them is stupid. You won't get anywhere either because they aren't beholden to corporate sponsors or, or anything. Well, and people will write more of that stuff out of pure spite then. So give them fuel, like give us fuel. Yeah. Okay. Oh, for sure. Uh, I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely done it. Like stop writing this stuff. Um, okay. Oh, well, okay. I'm actually going to sit down and write more right now. <laughs> I've got three more stories in the works now. Here you exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. So, but luckily we have lovely people like us and tons of other people who are just as excited and open-minded and love it. And that's what makes fandom so fun, regardless of all those stupid people. Who cares? Like, yes. <laughs> Amen. There, there are a couple of things that people use to address that as well, even though they don't have to, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Is, you know, Hermione and the time turner. For one thing, it makes her a year older because she used it so much in her third year. That too. Mm -hmm. But also traveling back in time and meeting the teenage Snape. Mm -hmm. I love young Snape. <laughs> I love any opportunity to get anyone back. To, <laughs> I just, oh, I love this. He's so young and awkward. And mm hmm yeah because I could see her having that prejudice against him like seeing him be like oh gosh it's Snape and then slowly gets to know the real him and see his experience and get that empathy and to see them growing close and oh that's just so cute I just, <laughs> you're really good at, at, at your shippers aren't you I'm so, I am I'm sorry care of magical shippers podcast it's pretty much my job i don't know what to yeah. tell you <laughs> oh the job i don't get paid to do but that's fine <laughs> oh I, I love it i love that you say you're, you're not a shipper but you really kind of pick up on on what's happening there i do i mean i say that almost like all the random episodes of things just because it's not something that i would necessarily sit down and like read something immediately thereafter i have ideas like i know these characters i know how they would work together Together. This is what I can see. And it's just, it's, it's so much fun. Like, why don't people multi-ship? I don't understand. It's so much fun. <laughs> but that's what happens. I talk myself into ships. Like I start off knowing nothing, having feelings. And then by the end, I'm totally on board. <laughs> yeah. I guess the other 
thing is the lifespan of witches and wizards is much longer than for humans. Muggles, I mean, I guess we're all humans, but magical humans live at least 120 years. So a 20-year age difference isn't as large. Which is funny because most wizards get married like right after school. So it's like you have to hope that your relationship is going to be good for over 100 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently they marry like the first person they ever dated too. I know, I know. It's like, but there's the romance of it. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, okay, we're going to ignore like reality and just like, (laughs) oh yeah, they're just, (laughs) Arthur and Molly have no problems. They're perfect. Like, (laughs) (laughs) There's the whole, um, you know, different social cultural aspects to wizarding world, to the Western society. Because in Western society, it's pretty normal that women date or marry men about three years older than them in in total while in African or Asian countries it's like it's completely normal to have more than uh, 10 years for example age difference and I can see the wizarding society with their you know their aristocracy and pure blood not minding age gap especially with the age aspect as much as for example our western cultures Mm -hmm. especially if there's no pure blood witch for you to marry for another 10 years like you're just gonna have to hang out and wait like that's right <laughs> yeah, and arranged marriages, for example, I, I can easily see them happening, especially with pure blood families like the Malfoys and the Strange, where their parents already have plans like laid out for their children, like who they're going to marry before the kid is even born yet. So Mm-hmm. That sounds so horrible. That's where I see Hermione and Snape obviously doing the complete opposite. Like, obviously, Snape didn't marry anyone. Like, he just had his existence be that for whatever reason that he doesn't want to subject his existence onto someone else or it just wasn't a priority. Then Hermione. He was carrying a torch. Yeah. And Hermione is just going to be like, I don't need no man. Like if I can find someone and and it works, like great. Otherwise, like I see her and being one of the few witches, like 10-year Hogwarts reunion showing up, like I have a career and you have all your babies. And I'm like, sorry. And then she runs into Snape and then they're together in the end. There's my fic. There's a- <laughs> I'm getting really into this. <laughs> I love it. Were we going to talk about like reactions like from other people? Yeah, I was just looking at that. I, I'm not sure who wrote that down. So I think Evil Bean. Oh, Evil Bean. Maybe. So like the thoughts of like how Harry and Ron would react when they found out that, you know, Hermione and Snape were together. I can just like, I can picture. Freak out. <laughs> of course they would do. Yeah, they would freak out. And as we kind of talked about how they are with Hermione, I mean, immediately they'd say she was crazy. Like they would go on their huge, you know, stint of opinions and she's just going to be like, you know what? I don't need this and whatnot. But it does depend on when I guess you could say like oh if it was some illicit something in school like obviously it's going to be way different than when they were adults or whatnot like so yeah I don't know after Harry has seen the memories yeah I think you would be a little bit soft into it still think it's weird still think she's crazy but be a little more understanding yeah right Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could see Ron being like Hermione do you need glasses? Like, <laughs> no, Ronald. <laughs> like, 
like I am not so vain. I can see uh, Harry acting as a sort of a buffer between Hermione and Ron during that, especially if it's after he's seen the memories, because I think Ron can be really hot-headed and might need a bit of time to calm down enough to actually not offend, uh, say something that will really offend Hermione. That's honestly usually the case. Whenever I've written stories where there's that revelation, Ron's the hothead and Harry is actually the calm and collected one and actually in his brain and <laughs> saying, you know what? It actually kind of makes sense when you stop and think about it, Ron. Oh yeah, it always takes Ron. A li- I love Ron, like no, no shade to Ron, but it always takes him a little bit longer or that decompression period to like actually stop and think. He's a reaction, like he reacts, like he just like blasts out and then later has to you know, reflect on his choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes Harry's like, you're supposed to be in love with my mom. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's another thing is he spent 20 years of his life, or okay, 17, making up or causing Lily's death. And James's too, I guess. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was also there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> So once he has done all that and he gets the memories to Harry and almost dies and, you know, then he's kind of free and he's kind of like, we can do whatever we want to with him. Mm -hmm. And I could see Hermione having traits that he like admired in Lily, you know, because like we know Lily to maybe being, you know, like like intelligent in her own and like confident and whatnot that like later on he, as you say, was blinded by holding on to a memory. And then once everything came to a close, his his caring and watching over Harry is over, like the, the big bad is gone. And then all of a sudden he starts seeing other people in a way that he refused to before then. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Once the redemption arc is completed, then there's, yeah. And, you know, that's me believing that he's still alive to this day and is off with the muggles somewhere on a beach. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. As far from magic as he can be. Yes. <laughs> Having a pina colada and getting a tan. Yeah. and Exactly. Oh my gosh. He's got the zinc oxide though on his nose because you know he tans poorly. Like it just all burned red. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the farmer tan. From- all asleep in the sun and Hermione's <laughs> making fun of him. and Oh my God. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hermione shows up on a trip. Like maybe it was a cruise stopped at said island and she runs into him and then they fall in love the end. <laughs> <laughs> We need to have you write down all these plot bunnies and like put them on a Tumblr account somewhere where people can just go to and be like, I'm going to pick this one, pick this one, pick this one. Actually, it's funny you say that because we're built, um, I don't know if you're familiar, so Care of Magical Shippers is my podcast that's all about different Harry Potter ships. So we're building a website and one of the pages is literally going to be prompts and plot bunnies that we came up with on every episode because we're like we don't have time to write these things but we want them please make them so yes absolutely people need to just have and make hopefully maybe at least one of these ideas that would be great well i'm glad to know that's in the works yes 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 it has to i'll forget like if it's not written down it's gone 
I'm no writer, but I was actually just drawing Snape with a margarita um, and, you know, an umbrella in the drink and everything just like yesterday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so great. You're going to put it on Tumblr, aren't you? Yes. Once it's finished, you know, full full potions master regalia, the long black coat, but then also sunglasses. Oh. And a <laughs> in 110 degree weather. <laughs> Oh, and, and what would the other professors think? It's obviously an instance where someone will have an, like, they'll see Snape as a predator. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's instantly going to go a certain way, at least for, there's going to be like an adversary professor. You know what I mean? Like, that's just going to be like out to get him. And no matter what is said or done from Hermione's point of view or Snape's point of view, haters are going to hate. And that's just going to be the way it is. But, but yeah, but then I could also see him actually having like a, unknown like professor friend that maybe has seen everything unfolding but he didn't open up to them about it and then was able to finally come out and been like okay like I've been waiting for this to happen and it's fine like don't you know and um yeah so it can go any which way but I can definitely see the like the gasp you know what I mean like <gasps> like, like, <laughs> like <laughs> but um yeah so. That actually reminds me because it makes me think I love um, when McGonagall is kind of uh, the matchmaker between the two. I didn't want to say, but I was picturing best friend Minnie just being smugly sitting there like, okay. Like, oh, like... these two are at it again. Just admit you're in love already. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Just a matter of time. Yeah. So how many feel that Snape and McGonagall are the bro TP? Oh, gosh. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, because they're both their own sort of highbrow snooty. They both have their strengths and have the ability to strike fear and hold power over, but then hang out, have some drinks after work and just laugh about it all day. Right. (laughs) Like, it's just, and then they have their playful, what is it? Like, even in the books when she's like, I could never look at Severus in the eye for a week after, like, they destroyed them in Quidditch or whatever. Like, obviously, it shows that they have some sort of relationship that he was obviously teasing the heck out of her so you can even see like there's just because you don't see it doesn't mean the relationship wasn't there already and I totally yeah I totally see that yeah they're like two halves of the same coin really one might be a Slytherin and one might be a Gryffindor but yeah (laughs) they have a similar rivalry snarkiness Uh, they're yeah it makes it all the more powerful the scene when Snape's like oh Oh, we'll take more. Oh, you don't have any more points to get rid of. And she's like, we'll just have to add some more. And like, just <laughs> gives them a shit ton of points. And then Snape's just like, what the hell is happening? It's <laughs> like, I could just see the look on her face. Like, oh God. Oh, the absolute gloating. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And he's like, now I have to come up with a reason really quickly to get rid of these points again. Oh yeah. Definitely bro TP. 100%. I love them. Yeah. And okay, members of the order is the third thing we have on our list, how they would react. Yeah. The big gasps. <laughs> this is actually for Snary, but Chicken Pets, what, what's her series? Oh, Pacify. Pas- oh, in the Pacify series. I'm sorry, I, my brain is not working well. Um, oh, is it the uh, Remus? Oh, is that what yes, you're thinking about? Yes, Remus. Yeah. yeah, so it was like Remus felt like he had to take on the role of Sirius because Re- Sirius had passed. And so he's playing the like concerned pseudo parent and Harry's just like, I barely know you. You taught me for a year. Who are you to make decisions for me? And was like,
like you don't know like was trying to make all the choices for Harry thinking that he was like crazy or was a victim and he didn't know better and yeah that was really intense he was just the main character that's like I have the best interest for Harry and it's like no you're not listening to him you have your opinions and you won't you know so because he tries to shake it into him yeah yeah literally so then Harry's like don't touch me yeah exactly <laughs> When it comes to Hermione, like, because when I, like you said, when I think of Snary, like, everyone in the Order obviously ha is, has an investment to a level in Harry. Like, the Order exists and Harry's at the center of it, regardless of him being involved. Like, he's the, the answer to the end of said war. But Hermione's kind of just, like, been there. Like, I could see Molly being the one to probably not necessarily blatantly outright shut it down, but just try and talk to Hermione, like, it's okay, honey. You can tell me, like, we'll take care of it. We'll get rid of the bad man. And she's like, no, like, I <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. So, but yeah, I don't think it would be as explosive or dramatic as a Harry situation. Just because, I mean, they know her, but she's around sometimes. She's still the muggle-born friend outside of all the families that are, you know, like Ron and the Weasleys are really central pillar to the order and, and all of that. Not that she's not important and loved by all of them, but... Well, yeah, and I can see it being like, well, he's like 20 years older than you. Whereas I feel like with Severus and Harry, it would, the argument is completely different. Yeah. Whereas, you know, again, it kind of going back to the earlier conversation, if I can see the order members being like, oh my God, well, again, he's preying on you. He's much older than you, Hermione. What are you thinking? Open your eyes. He's using you. I thought you were smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can also see some order members going, Snape, what did you give her? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And her, especially Hermione reacting not well to that accusation. Yeah, I, I, whereas more with Severus and Harry, it's like, but you guys hate each other. Like you've hated right. each other all this time. How are you guys, you know, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. The less sense, the better, I say. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of age, there's a 13-year difference between Remus and Tonks. Uh, yep, exactly. That's true. And what is it? Fleur and Bill are a good bit of span, too. I don't know if it's like seven years or something. So when you stop and do the maths, like you're just like, yeah, I'm going to think about it and hyperfixate, and all of a sudden it's a problem. You don't think about it. Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's mechanical examples of age gap. Yeah, like I wrote a Harry slash Bill and I was like, oh, he's 10 years older than Harry? Really? And it was like, people didn't even say anything about that because like people just don't realize it, especially because we have the movies to go off of. People don't think about the ages that they actually are in canon in comparison to the movies. Like, okay, seeing Emma Watson with Alan Rickman, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's going to seem like this big deal when it's like, he was third. I mean, it's like, they're just, it's not. Yeah, he was actually in third. 30s. He wasn't in his 60s. Like, uh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Back up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, my theory is that all the teachers were from JKR's imagination of the perfect actors, although they may have not have been that age that they actually were once the movies were finally made. Yeah, you know, she's maybe picturing Alan in his 40s and, and Maggie Smith in her 60s or 50s. Yeah. Maybe I've gotten this wrong, but I thought I remember J.K. Rowling even saying early, like in her earliest drafts of the story when she was writing it in the early 90s, 
movies she had Alan Rickman in mind. So when you think back on what what movies he was making back in the early 90s, well, yeah, he looks a lot younger. He would he would have fit the role very very well back then. Not that he doesn't do a great job, but oh yeah, he he does a great job. What do you guys think about the difference between movie Snipe and book Snape's character? You know, because in the books he's a lot more temperamental than in the movies. He's very collected and quiet in the movies. So do you think both book and movie Snape would be a good fit with Hermione? That's a good question. Yeah, that is a great question. <laughs> of course, when it comes to fan fiction, I always see like my canon slash fic Snape. Like I never really picture, picture Alan Rickman. Like I see him as like, oh, this, this different version of Snape, but he's not the Snape that I like to get inside the headspace of. So I feel like, yeah, Alan Rickman's version being very quiet. Like I don't know how or why Hermione would be invested enough to try and break down those barriers versus having some sort of conflict to start the situation because he's constantly calling her out know it all you know just making fun of her like calling out her teeth and stuff like she's gonna show up or you know during office hours or something and just tear the mickey out of him you know what I mean versus just being like oh like just he's just a main teacher or whatever and but I just I love angst and drama so I just <laughs> the more the better <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yeah, I think uh, for me, if if anything, the only thing I have in my head when I'm writing Snape is maybe some of Alan Rickman's voice. But otherwise, my version of Snape is much more in line, I guess, with book Snape. Um, but I do think there there's definitely, you know, he was a double agent. So there's the quietude, the, the secrecy about him that, of course, Alan Rickman plays very, very well. But book Snape is just, yeah. Yeah, he's not as in control as, you know. No, and like he has these uh, classic outbursts that you, he's definitely emotional. He's much more emotional and you get to see cracks in the mask in the books that you don't see so much in the films. Exactly, because it's you, that's a lot of baggage to hold in, you know? Like that's so much for you. You can only stay semi-calm for so long before you just break, especially like after a long day dealing with annoying students and you're just like, I've had <laughs> enough. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, especially as a professor, as a teacher, the fact that he even keeps it together as much as he does, given his profession, is um, commendable. Yeah, because I can see how like the students in particular, it's like, how does he get away with it? Well, maybe he is technically in like teacher therapy. Like maybe it's like, it's like, oh, he's trying to, he's doing his best here. Like he could be way worse. He didn't hex a student this year. Yeah, we're doing good. Like. <laughs> Well, and he never really got the proper training, too, when you think about it. In canon, he didn't. So, yeah, he's doing his best. Y'all work his last nerve, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 20 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, he never got a pamphlet on how to treat students, on how to treat the younger generations. He's just like... Yeah, the way that I think of it is because he starts teaching only a few years after leaving school. He's teaching some of other students that bullied him because they saw the Marauders doing it. So it's like he's taking that out in little things on those kids like as they go through school and it just becomes his norm. He's just like, yeah, I'm the guy that just like <laughs> takes no shit and I'm just gonna like, you think you're, you know, hot stuff? Well, let me, you know, let me cl clear your head a little bit. It's the only power grab I have, so... Guess what? I'm using it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm trapped here in the location of my childhood bullying and trauma. I'm doing my best. Like, I'm just... <laughs> 
Does anybody have any fics that they want to recommend? We do have Sierra Media Gals, lovely. Well, there's the Unquestionable Love series. Yeah, what's your what's your favorite like fic that you've written? I guess I'd have to cheat a little bit. I'm partial to the Unquestionable Love series just because I've been writing it for so long. And I've just loved kind of using J.K. Rowling's world, but really like expanding it and kind of making it my own. And just, you know, giving Snape that and Hermione to that, that happiness that he deserves. Yeah, I, I would definitely say the Unquestionable Love series series, but I think more recently I wrote a fic called St. Severus that is, it's dark humor and angst. There's a lot of funny bits in it and I'm pretty proud of that one. So I would definitely say that one too. Yeah. Cool. I love both of them, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you go. I haven't read too much of this ship yet, but what stories stayed with me were, I think the author is named Lotin. Care of Magical Creatures and Post Tenebrous Lux are the names, I think, of the most prominent fics of hers. And I really like liked her depiction of Snape because I'm, I'm, I'm honest, I can't remember them 100%, but they start with Snape still being undercover and show Hermione finding out, I think, about Snape being actually still undercover and her trying to help him without him finding out she's trying to help him. And because of that, over the course of the war, she develops feelings and stuff like that. And they actually become friends first, of course. And it's really sweet. But there's also because the war is still going on and I really like angst and darker fics. So there's the violence and everything. Would, just kind of for everyone, would you think that Stamini is is kind of most often like enemies, friends, lovers versus like Snary is usually the abrupt like enemies to lovers situation. <laughs> so it sounds like there grows into some sort of respect for one another and then it eventually moves into something more romantic. Yes. That's kind of my yeah. takeaway. Absolutely. I think most six are kind of slow burn as well. Yeah. With Snape, it has to be, you know, like he's got a lot of things to process before he's like, okay, accepting someone loving him. So like, even when it seems like the romance is happening, he's in denial and in his head. And it's it takes a little while for him to finally kind of be okay with it. Yeah. He's broken, like he's sure. never gonna yeah. be perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we try to heal him though. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the fun bit is seeing him finally, I think CR Media Girl had said it's like finally see him get the love that we know that he deserves and they both deserve and it just makes us so happy. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else? I do have a couple other recommendations. I mentioned Zigadinus and Lies in Red Ink. Also, the long form continuing that story is called Ink Stains, and it's challenging to the reader. Some people will say, oh, you know, that's too out of character for Ron or for Hermione. or But in that fit, people do what makes sense for them. I don't know. That's not saying it very cogently. Is that they they do what they do for a reason. Yeah, everyone has their point of view and what they believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also Weasley's Wizard Wheezes by Crying Cinderella. It's it's kind of dirty. <laughs> you have my attention. <laughs> Okay, uh, Snape and Hermione falling on hard times. They're not together, but they end up with jobs testing sex toys for George's new line of Ooh. sex toys. <laughs> That's a great storyline. Oh my. I am intrigued. Oh my gosh. Oh my. It's very well written too. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's, and I mean, the sex is great. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. just the writing is just wonderful. So nice. 
Yeah. And I think we're pretty much there. Yeah. Talked about a lot of stuff. And I definitely am here for somebody. <laughs> 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 For a completely different reason, because like it was the same thing starting. Okay, what's the appeal? I'm used to like the conflict of Harry Snape, and then just seeing. Oh, it's so nice to talk things through like this because you can actually like break it down, and it's oh, it's so fun. I love it. Oh yes. Okay. Well, thank you for everyone joining me, CR Media Gal. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You bet. And Megs. Mm-hmm. Will we die just a little? Thanks for having me. It was fun again appreciate y'all being here and everybody listening okay take care bye 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 <laughs> <laughs>And that's the discussion portion of our show. Thanks to everyone for joining in. Now, we have an interview with Snomaini author extraordinaire, Sierra Media Gal. Enjoy. Hello. We're meeting today with Sierra Media Gal. Find out a little bit about her and her work. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So in the fandom and fan fiction world, I go by CR Media Gal, but my real name's Andrea. I guess officially tomorrow, it will be 10 years that I've been writing fanfic. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a long time. I can't believe it. Um, and I actually had to do the math. I guess I've been in the Snape, Snape fandom for now 20-ish years, I think. Mm -hmm. And... I've been a longtime Severus and Hermione shipper too for about for about 10 years now, maybe a little bit longer. So right. that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. How did you come into the Snape Dome? Pretty much after reading the first couple books, my best friend actually had been bugging me in high school to read them for years. And I just kept putting it off. Mm -hmm. And I decided to borrow like the first couple from her shortly before the first film came out. So I was kind of late as compared to other people to start reading them. So, mm -hmm. but I'd say I, I really was hooked on him him from the first book. I was really intrigued by him because um, he can be so cutting and ruthless, but he's got such a great snarky attitude. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how anybody cannot fall in love with him, but I'm, I guess I'm, I'm a biased Snape supporter and I have been since. I just oh. knew he was going to turn out to be a good guy somehow. I just had this instinct despite how, <laughs> how cutting he could be. So, so yeah, that's how mm -hmm. I really from the first book. Oh yes. I feel the same way. He did good, but he seemed bad. Yeah. It yeah. There's just something was I was like, you know what? <laughs> Yes. Intriguing. How long have you been publishing your work online? So really uh, 10 years now. I hadn't really posted any fanfic before. So about a decade ago was when I posted my first fanfic, but mm -hmm. I'd been writing off and on ever since I was a kid. I used to like sit and I'd draw and write up stories by hand. So I guess <laughs> I've been writing a lot longer than I've officially been publishing, but publishing, publishing wise, it's been 10 years. That's great. So do you write about other or fandoms? Yeah, so I've written in a couple other fandoms, mainly the Les Miserables at one point. I wrote a story for the Hobbit fandom um, a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. And most recently, I I'm still actually writing it. I'm writing a uh, Ben Solo and Ray story in the Star Wars fandom. That's been that's been a long time that I've been writing that. And then mm -hmm. I've written a lot of other Snape pairings. I mean, Severus and Hermione is like the one true pairing, but mm -hmm. I've definitely written some other ones, including Severus and Narcissa, Severus and Lucius, and Severus and Draco. So I guess I do mm -hmm. like him with a Malfoy on occasion. So <laughs> sure. 
I do too. Oh, and you have a YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Um, it's gone through several stages over the years. It really started out, I guess, over a decade ago. I used to make a lot of those fandom videos that you can still find online, and a lot of people still do them, um, where they mm-hmm. take different clips from the movies and either try and tell a storyline or just show appreciation for a pairing they love or Snape just as a character. I did some of that. I dabbled in like video editing quite a bit. And then, um, yeah. And then once I got into fanfic, I really just got away from that for a couple of years. And about, I guess about three years ago was when I officially kind of started my YouTube uh, channel in which Mm -hmm. I put myself out there, put my personality and myself in front of the camera. And that's, it's been interesting. It's been an adjustment that I'm still not very comfortable with all the time. Um, being a public person online on YouTube Mm -hmm. is so different from being a writer. You can kind of, as a writer, just hide behind your work. So it's very different, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it's just another creative way for me to express myself. And I'm really enjoying it. I don't do much fandom videos these days. It's more Mm -hmm. like plus size fashion, Ottoman spooky content. If anybody's into that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. lifestyle videos. So, and I go by the same handle over there, CR media gal, but I'm not sure I might change that in the future, but yeah, I'm enjoying doing YouTube. It's just, it's such a different animal from writing. Well, that's neat. Yeah. I've enjoyed some of your videos. Oh, thank you. I, I, it's weird. I like forget people are actually out there, like that I speak to in the fandom Mm -hmm. that watch my videos. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. People do watch this (laughs) stuff. It's weird. It's a, it's a bizarre thing. It's hard to explain. Well, what brought you into the Snape Hermione pairing? So I definitely been intrigued by them before I actually sat down and wrote them. I think I was always intrigued by the idea of them matching very well, just purely based on their intelligence. They both have a really high academic drive. They've got really high skill sets that are fairly unmatched by a lot of the other characters in the series. So, and I know the age gap is a big draw for a lot of shippers. And I totally understand that. It just really wasn't the main draw for me. It was really, I kept thinking how, you know, especially after the last film came out, that really hit me all over again, Snape's death and how horribly tragic it was that he never got a happy ending. He never got any relief from everything he'd gone through in his life. And when I started thinking about who he would pair with, well in the fandom Hermione immediately came to mind I thought you know she's somebody who could challenge him and vice versa especially Mm -hmm. in intelligence wise I think she especially needs somebody who's kind of on the same intelligence level as her (laughs) which is why I never I never got her canically paired with Ron it just it just made no No. sense to me I agree. Which, yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, they're just so, and personality wise, they are just so not well matched in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the more I thought about it, I just started like, I think I started by looking at like artwork online and just kind of dabbling and reading some fanfics, but I really became a, like a full fledged shipper when I sat down and wrote my first story based around them. It was like, yep, this is it. This is the one true pairing. They are just perfect for each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're my OTP as well. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why they're not everybody's, but I guess we're biased. (laughs) They just need to give it a chance. You know, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. misconceptions about the pairing and people just need to give it a chance. Yes. The Unquestionable Love series covers many years and gives Severus and Hermione a large family. What was the original idea that began that whole saga? So... Um, questionable love was one of those wonderful things that I don't think happens for writers a lot. And it came fully formed in my head. It was shortly, I guess, after the last film had come out. 
And again, I was already intrigued by the pairing and really wanted to sit down and write a story about them. But then I just had this particular scene from the original story, chapter 48. And then there, there's elements of chapter 50 that came to me at that time as well. Um, and it's an, the entire scene between Severus and one of my OC characters, his daughter, Haley. That just like really shook me to my core. And I thought, I have to sit down and write this. I loved the idea of Snape once again getting his happy ending. And canically, I just knew that having a family is probably something he would have wanted, even though it's not something that is explored in canon for it's just, I don't know, that's always something that's really spoken to me. And I guess Unquestionable Love really has become not only my head canon for Severus and Hermione as a pairing, but it's sort of my love letter to Snape and his own happiness that we were robbed of in canon. I think it's something he would have wanted was love and a family of his own. So the Snape family was always kind of in the back of my mind, even before I sat down and wrote it, but particularly mm-hmm. chapter 48, that's what really started this whole thing in motion. Yeah. I have to go back to that. We'll be linking to uh, stories and Sierra Media Gale's site. And yeah, now you're in the process of rewriting Unquestionable Love, the prequel. Do you tend to rewrite the whole series? So I've tweaked the original story in the past, mm-hmm. you know, just like any other writer, <laughs> sure. hopefully grow and evolve over the years of writing. And mm-hmm. so over the years, I have tweaked bits and parts of the original story. I think there is one particular revelation that happens in the, towards the end of that story that I would like to change maybe at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't decided if I'm going to do that, but really of the entire saga, the prequel is the one that I think needs the most attention right now. So I have been revising that one. It's, you know, it's over 500k in length. Yes, really wordy, (laughs) very long story that takes place from really a half-blood prince up until the time that they start a family. So it covers a wide Mm -hmm. range of their relationship. And I wrote it very quickly back in the day when I wrote it. I wrote it in like a year and a half, which I'm not even sure how I did that. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a little too wordy in parts. Some of the dialogue just doesn't, I think, fit with the storyline anymore. And there's definitely some repetitiveness, I'd say, in the later Mm -hmm. half of the story that I, I just personally, it just bothers me that I would just like to, you know, tweak and give a facelift to. Um, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. drastically change that story at all. So if people still want to read the original version, they can over on the archived fanfiction.net account. But mm-hmm. uh, the revised version, which I, I truly think reads so much better, is only available to read on my website. So yeah, that's definitely the plan to keep revising the prequel. And then some of the older one shots too will need to be tweaked too, because they've they've been out for several years and I just, I'm just not happy with really mm-hmm. the technical aspect of those, those works. It has nothing to do with really the storyline itself. It's really more just me as the writer being picky. So <laughs> I just want to <laughs> make them the best they possibly can be. So, okay. Yeah, I've been waiting on the prequel that I didn't want to go to the fan fiction um, version and read ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I know a um, lot of people have been telling me that and I feel bad because I, I know it's been taking me a while to post chapters. I'm hopefully going to get better at that. I promise. <laughs> oh, it's, it's worth the wait. Though. Oh, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm relieved to hear that. And another story, St. Severus is really full of hilarity arguments and UST. <laughs> 
I understand it was inspired by a film. Is that right? Yes. I can't take any credit for it. A really dear longtime reader of mine, Carmen, she actually came to me a couple of years ago and she's actually given me some prompts in the past for the Unquestionable Love series. And she came to me a couple of years ago saying, hey, I think this film would work great for Severus and Hermione. Would you ever consider doing it? And I sat down and watched the film and it's called St. Vincent. It stars Bill Murray, Naomi Watts, and Melissa McCarthy. And it's just one of those great films. It's, it's really wholesome, but it's told with some darker adult humor. And it was, as soon as I watched it, I thought, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> this would be, this would work perfectly for Severus and Hermione. You know, mm-hmm. he's this rough, down on his lung, grumpy guy. And he ends up getting, being put next door to a single mom and he befriends her son, who's kind of this like puny little guy who kind of has trouble taking care of himself. And it's just a wonderful story. I highly recommend watching it. I think it might, mm-hmm. I think it might be available on Netflix. I'm not sure, but yeah, I told her, I said, yes, mm-hmm. I, I will definitely do it. Of course, like anything else that I write, it did take me a while to get around to writing it, but I did recently complete it after writing it for two years. And I loved writing that story. It, it was fun to follow the film version in many respects, but then tweak it and add a lot of new scenes and new chapters so that it would fit right for Severus and Hermione as a coupling, but also the Wizarding World in which it takes place. So it was probably the most joy I've had writing the pairing in a while. So I I wish I could share it publicly, but I, you know, I hope that Mm -hmm. people will see the small blurb that I put on fanfiction.net. Maybe that'll intrigue them enough to come up, hop over to my website and read it because yeah, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to read as well. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely had some chuckling out loud moments when I was writing that. I thought, oh God, I hope mm-hmm. this translates because this is this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, would you would you read a couple of passages from your work? Sure. Uh, I will do my best not to stumble over my words here. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do fine. <laughs> Okay, so the first of the two I have here is from St. Severus, chapter five. I love writing confrontation scenes between them. That's always (laughs) part of the appeal for a lot of shippers. So (laughs) So this is from chapter five. What in the, to her aghast stupor, Hugo and Severus were plunging straight towards her on a human directed magic carpet that looked as if it might not stop. She staggered backward and frantically reached for her wand, mouth dropped in horrifying disturbance. The magic carpet came to a fierce, unsmooth halt, a foot in front of her, and a brightly greeting Hugo dismounted first, thanking the unidentified bloke at the front of the floating transport for his services. He had a bushy mustache and shoulder-length dreadlocks and apparently was the acting driver. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, laddie. The chap provided a less merry regard for his second passenger, who was slumped forward in an Indian-style position and couldn't seem to quite swing his gangly legs round to the side of the carpet without kicking him in the lower back. Exits that way, mate, he snipped, wearing a most unimpressed scowl. Fucking duh, Severus slurred, as Hugo tried to yank him off of the carpet, though he was the equivalent to pulling a dead weight at present. I got two eyes, you daft fool. The driver stared head-on, refusing to acknowledge his fiery, inebriated customer as Severus proceeded for several more painful seconds to try to hop off of the carpet and stand on his feet. In a rarity that haunted Hermione to witness, he instead tripped over himself and landed on his bum with a hard thud, the back of his trousers snagging on the wet pavement. Hermione started. Hugo leapt forward to be of assistance before she could. Mind the gap, the driver snorted, adding lowly, bleeding twat. Severus motioned his wrist in a dismissive manner. Hermione wasn't sure if an unceremonious middle finger was involved, for it happened too quickly. 
and batted Hugo's help away. She noticed a suspicious looking cloth wrapped around the wizard's right hand that only served to raise her concerns. Mm -hmm. Shortly thereafter, Severus was at last on his feet, but swaying at the ankles. He ignored Hermione's presence, as though she weren't in his direct line of sight at all, and tottered towards Spinner's end. Excuse you? She called after him, growled rather, most aggrieved by everything that had transpired up to this point without so much as a brief explanation. Severus sloppily turned around and almost fell a second time, all whilst trying to look menacing. His labors were in vain, though he did throw his hands out to his sides expectantly conveying rather gracelessly that she needed to get a move on with whatever she intended to confront him about. Just what do you think you're doing taking my son on a magic carpet? She demanded to know, her register rising in pitch with each word. Severus' reaction was a pair of inanimate, glazed-over eyes. Boy's fine, isn't he? That was all it took for Hermione to lose her nerve. That's besides the point. It's all right, Mom. Hugo tried to innocently intercede on Severus's behalf, but was swiftly cut off. Shut it, Hugo. The glare she projected was eerily reminiscent of the glower she would so often shot the boy's father that Hugo instinctively took a step back from the mounting tension. Never mind that it's bloody illegal. What made you think it was perfectly all right to take my nine-year-old son to the goddamn pub with you? At Severus's iffy stare down, she added with vehemence, clearly you've been drinking. Goodness, I can smell it on you. Did you not consider contacting me to let me know where you'd be? There was a stifling pause, followed by a weaker but still stubborn charge. Boy's fine, isn't he? I don't appreciate you taking him anywhere without asking me for Severus's mouth drew into a slim, cascading line. Oh, what joy and endless fun this is going to be. Don't be a wanker, would you, for once? She flailed her arms to further convey her vexation. I need to know where my son is, understood? At all times. We went for a bite to eat, Hugo pleaded quietly. Severus motioned to the boy. Should I have let him starve? You've been neglecting to bring more snacks, by the way. Hermione sighed and rubbed at her temples. Go inside, Hugo. But mom, this isn't a suggestion. Slowly, Hugo conceded. He shot his babysitter a parting, sorry for you, mate, Lance, and returned to the house. The door hardly made a clicking noise. The silence that had stretched for the short period it took Hugo to retreat, growing increasingly disquieting between the two openly sparing man and woman, now neighbors, when Hermione carried on speaking in haste. I've been worrying sick, you know. You should have sent me a Patronus message. You've stressed your point. Anything else? Hermione's anger tumbled. I know you're used to caring about no one but your bleeding self, Severus, but my son. What do you know about me, Miss Granger? He scoffed, his glare as, gl as glacial as black ice. Really? Her pause was sufficient enough that he remarked, while sharply turning his back and heading for his front door, that's what I thought. I put in my time for this evening. Anymore, and I'll be charging you over time. So that was that one. <laughs> oh, That's <was> great. <laughs> and then um, I guess the other one I can share is from the revised Unquestionable Love, the prequel. Um, just also happens to be chapter five. And it's uh, another kind of confrontational scene because we love those. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just what do you think you're doing, Miss Granger? He whispered. The heedfulness in that inquiry, the danger in those direct few words, acutely felt and yet discarded. Try me, Hermione breathed, provocation lingering on the tip of her tongue. Go on then. What? He replied, a hostile sneer curling his upper lip. Hermione gripped her wand steadily. Round two. Unraveling the brash witch's motion, Severus's demeanor blackened. The visual twisted Hermione's gut. Had this been a gross error on her part? It was all coming undone too fast and furiously to wholly contemplate. You have no idea what you're asking. Oh, I, I think I do, she challenged, her breathing rapid and heartbeat thumping at an accelerated rate. Go, go ahead. Test me now, Professor. At his prolonged silence and murderous stare down, Hermione insisted, though with a lot less confidence. You caught me on prepared last time, as I recall. And that's hardly fair, is it? It was all to your advantage. So go on. 
Make a fool out of me. Prove me wrong. To amplify her frustrations, her powerful expert of an opponent didn't at once raise his wand to her goading. Instead, he gave a slow cock of his head, his arresting dark irises providing a closer, almost intrusive inspection of her person. Hermione couldn't confound if he was intrigued, amused, offended, or irate, but she would soon gouge an answer. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yes, they do have natures that kind of clash sometimes, and it's it's always delicious, especially oh, the way you write them. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really do appreciate that. That means a lot to me. <laughs> I love how stubborn they are. <laughs> yes. You've been subjected to online bullying. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you've handled it? Yeah, it's been hard sometimes. Um, I've been trying to take it all in stride. Um, I would say in the beginning, a couple of years ago, that bullying was more targeted towards my work specifically. I used to get a lot of, of course, it was always anonymous, flaming, really just nasty comments on my stories. And I found that that has definitely switched, I'd say over the past like two years or so. And it's really Mm -hmm. become more generalized about the fact that I'm a public Severus and Hermione shipper and writer, because mm-hmm. I know there's been other people in the fandom that I'm in that have also been targeted. Yes. So I, I, I'm sure, I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. Are they aunties or antis or uh, aunties? <laughs> um, I think both ways. Yeah. They're definitely, um, I guess, an unfortunate side effect of a lot of fandoms anymore. I know there's um, a lot of them in the, the Raylo fandom that I'm in for Star Wars, mm-hmm. like they're everywhere. But yeah, yeah. there's there definitely has been a bit of a personal vendetta towards me. Like mm-hmm. they recently tried to target my YouTube channel and get any of my Severus and Hermione old videos that have been up for the past decade with no issue mm-hmm. and no complaints. They tried to get those removed. And then even some of like the Harry Potter hauls and unboxings that I used to do, they tried to get those taken down for false copyright claims. Oh, for so, goodness um, sake. I know it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. So I almost lost all of my YouTube content that I've worked on for particularly the last three years, but Um, So I had to go through this whole process, legal process, and I did have to send a cease and desist over it. So, I mean, I I don't anticipate that that's the last of it because this has been going on so long. I just do Mm -hmm. my best to not draw attention to it, like over on my Tumblr, where at least I'm more public. On my website, you know, it's all privatized and I say whatever Mm -hmm. I want there, but at least publicly, I just make sure not to acknowledge it at all because at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, that's really what they want and I'm living rent-free in their head. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, let me, I guess, continue to live rent-free in their head. I I don't know. It's just, it's, um, it's an unfortunate thing in them. And I know I'm not the only one who's been subjected to it. So I just needs to stop. People just need to let people enjoy things. And if you don't enjoy it, Mm -hmm. move on. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, uh, telling us about it. Yeah, yeah. Being Snape fans is one level of hate. And then Snape and Hermione tends to bring on another level of it. Oh yeah. It's like and, a double whammy. I mean, they'll send yeah. you like suicide baiting messages. It's, it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like these characters are fictional. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, how, why are you this involved? Why do you care this much? <laughs> oh, I know it's, it is really just something else. And you've been really courageous to keep that and you know I really appreciate that uh thank you I mean I don't know I I question it all the time because of the fact that like I privatized my stories now basically I I don't Mm -hmm. post them over on fanfiction.net and I honestly do miss public posting I do think about I go back and Mm -hmm. forth all the time like you know doing it again and just 
but it's like, you know, do you mm -hmm. subject yourself to that repeatedly and let it disrupt your peace or do right. I just keep doing what I'm doing now and mm -hmm. stay private where I know everybody there's, they're good people. Everybody's nice and respectful and, mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about that. I, it's a struggle. I get sure. torn between both. So thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. hearing that. Yeah. Um, so uh, this kind of goes into our next question is, where can we find you online? Um, so I still, I still am everywhere, basically. <laughs> Mainly if people want to read any of my newer stories, including the ongoing additions and revisions to the Unquestionable Love series, I'm over at crmediagal.com. Uh, you just have to fill out. There's a, a short form there with your email and everything, and I'll give you access. It's all password protected. So if, if people want to keep reading my work, I'm over there. I still, of course, have my old, all of my older works are still on fanfiction.net. I don't know if they'll be there forever. So that's why I would definitely encourage people to hop over to see our media gal. It's, I think it's a fairly easy format to use. I've tried to make it easy to use and navigate. And then other than yeah. that, everywhere else, I'm, I'm see our media gal. I'm on Tumblr, YouTube, and Instagram all at the same handle. So yeah. people can come and say hi to me on any one of those. I'd be happy to chat with you. <laughs> Yeah. And we will have links up on our website. Yeah. Thank you. So what are your future plans for Snape and Hermione? Uh, I definitely have a couple stories cooking. Mm -hmm. Actually, the 10th anniversary of Unquestionable Love will be tomorrow, September 11th, oddly enough. Oh. So I definitely want to start posting. I'm hoping this fall, I can't commit to it, but I'm hoping this fall that I'll be able to start posting a new sure. multi-chapter fix set in that world just for the anniversary. And aside from Unquestionable Love and the revised prequel, which I'll continue to post, I definitely have a couple other stories that I can't say too much about yet. I do have where people can read on my website, all the exclusive stories. I do have kind of a general outline there of a couple stories that I'm thinking about posting mm -hmm. in the future. So there will definitely be more for me. I so if people can come over to see our media gal and follow me there if they want to see what I'm going to put them through next. <laughs> well, I look forward to it for one. And, and I encourage people to, yes, go to her website and, uh, and check things out. It's great. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for, for being over there. I appreciate, I always appreciate getting your comments and hearing from you. Oh, always lifts you. me up. <laughs> oh, good. Because I just really enjoy your story so much. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk at length about this stuff. It's, you know, a big part of my life. Fan fiction has been a big part of my life. So it's, it's always a joy to talk about. Yes. To share the love. <laughs> yes. Especially for Snape. He doesn't get enough of it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, take care. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay, thus ends Snapecast episode six. Find links in the show notes for CR Media Gal, other fic recs, and more. Let us know what you think. Like us on Tumblr and Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or send us an email or voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out Care of Magical Shippers podcast. Thanks for listening in. Until next time, stay snarky.